0: Amen. What great singing, what great singing. We're going to the Bibles in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And uh, there is a lot of chaos going on in our country. And uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. I don't know of a time when in my life when we've faced such a panic in our land as right now. And I, I want you to know that there are a lot of unanswered questions. But let me be clear, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, you're not going to go there, but it tells us that in, la- in the last days, in the last times, peril- perilous times shall come. That perilous means difficult, tr- tr- terrible times are coming. And then I started thinking and reading and studying the Bible, and do you know that the Bible mentions pestilence? In Matthew chapter 24, uh, pestilences would come. There's three questions asked in Matthew chapter 24, and Jesus is answering those. And the primary question they want to know is, when will the end be? And then he said there'll be rumors of war, wars, rumors of war, and there will be great pestilences that come. The coronavirus falls under a pestilence. I went back in the Old Testament and started looking. I found four places, maybe more, just in my study, where God sent pestilences or warned that He would send pestilences on those people that turned against Him. And who knows? I don't know this. I'm not a prophet of doom. But I'm just saying that perhaps maybe God has brought us to this place and sent this to get our attention. Our country is... Becoming more godless every day we live. Not only are we slaughtering the unborn children, but we are just decimating God's plan. Uh, There was a, a political party, I'm not getting political, but one debate I watched, a political party, and everyone on the stage in that debate was arguing over who was the most in favor of abortion. And uh, we're living in these times where it's chaotic. And then you factor in this uh, coronavirus. We have a missionary over in Italy, Todd Kincaid, and I watched his video he posted. Italy is really struggling right now. I mean, it's mass hysteria there. Uh, He was revealing that he can't leave his home without papers and those papers, uh, you know, they have certain things on them, but they're only allowed to go to the supermarket and to the, um, to the hospital or to the pharmacy. And so things are getting bad. in the fact, we're sitting here and we're wondering, is the media making this uh, overblown? Is this, is this an overreaction? Or perhaps is there something more that they're not telling us that they know? We just don't know all these answers. And I come to this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8, and I hope just to provide you with some calm in the chaos this morning. I still believe, and I'll be honest with you, I'm excited to preach this message because I see this not as something devastating, but I see this something as an opportunity for the church to rise up. I see this as an opportunity for us church to become the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And so, we come to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we'll read this one verse, and then our message. And we know, we don't hope, we don't speculate, we don't think, we don't guess, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Father, we ask You to bless the reading of Your Word. I pray that You'd fill me with Your Spirit, that You'd enable me to preach this message, And Lord, I ask you, God, right now, I pray right now that you would just calm our hearts, calm our fears. May we turn to you and look and understand that you are still sovereign, you're still in control of everything, that you are God and we bow to you. We look to you seated on your throne. We're adoring you because you're holy and you're righteous. Our hope is in you. Lord, I pray if there's one here that does not know Jesus Christ as his Savior or her Savior, I pray today that he or she would turn to you in faith, believing in you and what you did on the cross of Calvary for eternal salvation. Lord, I pray right now for your Spirit to be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. I started doing some research because the deacons and I had a meeting yesterday and I wanted to be clear and I tried to dig through a lot of the information. There's a lot of rumors going around. There's a lot of uh, Facebook posts and it's because it's on Facebook. It's true, right? Um, but anyways, <clears throat> we started reading through this and studying this and I found out that approximately 2,000 people, this was as of Friday, 2,000 people in the United States were confirmed of having the coronavirus. Uh, the coronavirus, the C. Uh, I think a COVID-19 is different. Now there have always been coronaviruses and everyone in here has probably had a coronavirus at some time. But this coronavirus is different. It's it started in Wuhan, China, and many believe that it started from live animals, animals are carriers, and somehow some way in the fish market it got started there and it became airborne and etc. But more alarming than that, I read that in the United States of America, more than 222,000 confirmed cases of flu A or flu B in the United States. Of those cases, 2,200 people have died in the United States with the flu this year. So whether it's the coronavirus or whether it's the flu, we know that people are dying. And we know that the number one way that people are carrying this and and passing it along, I guess I should say, is through human contact. And so the media has jumped on board, and the media always has to have a story, right? And the more grotesque the story, the better they think the ratings are. I think that we could solve a lot of our problems if we just turn off the news for a while. I mean, I don't think it's only fair if they cut off sports off television. They ought to take the news off. Amen? I mean, fair is fair. You can only watch so many episodes of Gunsmoke. And uh, some of the men in our church can quote every episode. They can tell you what happened. But at any rate, there's a lot of chaos in our land. And we as believers, we need to be the leaders in this time. People who do not know Jesus Christ have no hope. And there is desperation in their thoughts. There is desperation in their ambitions and their hopes. And we, as born-again believers, though being cautious, we still need to lead in this time. And I think God has given us a wonderful opportunity. You see, what I have found is, in all of my studies, we cannot control the virus. You cannot control if you're going to get sick. You can limit the percentages of you getting it, but you can't stop it. I remember when I was uh, younger and my kids would get sick with the stomach virus. I would walk around the house with two cans of Lysol, you know, a hazmat suit and everything, and I'd still get it. And then there were times when you just throw, forget about it and just clean it up and don't worry about it and, and you never got it. You can't stop it. But you know, there's one thing that we as believers can control. We can control how we respond in the chaos. And that is extremely important. And I see God giving us a wonderful opportunity. Now, what are some of the responses? Well, we could respond by fear. There are a lot of people in the country that are very fearful. And I think some fear probably is wise. But remember, we cannot let fear overtake us. Why? Because uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says that we have not been given the spirit of fear. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We as born again believers are not to be controlled by our fear. Someone has said the Bible says 365 times, fear not. One for every day. I don't know that. I, I like it, but I don't know it. But we're not to be controlled by fear. There's another response. Some people can respond as skeptics. In other words, they're skeptical of this. You know, it's a, it's a conspiracy theory and this there's nothing to it. I'm not going to change anything I do. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go and do so on and so forth. And you know, the thing about it is uh, when we get a flu shot, we were told the flu shot's not for you. It's for your daughter. Because she has type 1 diabetes and she's susceptible to flu. And the doctor says, you get a flu shot. I'm not worried about you getting a flu. I'm worried about her getting a flu. So you get a flu shot for her because you don't pass it on. And skepticism says, ah, you know, we ain't going to fool with any of this stuff. It's It's all government hype. It's all the government trying to take over us. And by the way, just let me say this. I don't for one minute think that Mike DeWine, our governor, is trying to take over our church. I do not believe that at all. I believe this gentleman is trying to do what he can to limit an overrun in our already overstressed hospitals and care facilities, I think he's trying to protect people. I don't think they're coming in and trying to close our doors down. And, you know, one pastor was like, bless God, the government's not going to tell me what we're going to do, and blah, 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 you know, and I'm thinking that's not the whole point of this. But you can respond with skepticism. But it's interesting to me that the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15 that we are spiritual, man, is to judge all things. Everyone tells me you're not supposed to judge. That's baloney. Get that out of your mind. That's from somebody who wants to live contrary to God's Word and wants you to justify. The Bible says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. You're going to have to be a discerner and know. You're going to have to judge situations and say, is this right? Is this wrong? Should I do this? Should I not? And I think that we, being judging this, we ought to look at the facts and we should not be skeptical in this time of chaos. You can be indifferent. You can care less about it. Go on your merry ways, and I think indifference is is a bad thing. Or you can view this as an opportunity. You and I can see this as an opportunity for what it is. And for just the next couple of minutes, I'm going to be brief today. I want to tell you what God has given me about this wonderful opportunity we have during these next few weeks. The first thing I think God has given us an opportunity to do is to reconnect with our families. Listen to me. Be very clear. Our families are suffering. God's plan for the family is suffering in current America. In our current culture, there is an attack on God's plan for the family. And I think that by removing all the sports, how many of you, and I know we all do it, and I'm not picking on you, but you have one kid over here doing this, one kid over here doing this, a couple in the fact you might have a, a, a program through the school, and they got this going on, and you're running all this, and the family's divided and going in a hundred different directions, and maybe God's saying enough's enough. Let's pull the family back together. You're not going to do it, so God says I'm going to do it. I'm going to cause you, I'm going to shut down everything. Maybe, just maybe, by him taking the NCAA tournament off, maybe that TV won't control our lives anymore. I think I got one amen. (laughs) And it was a woman. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But just maybe... This is an opportunity for us to reconnect. You know, get outside. Enjoy God's creation. I read an article back in 1918. There was this great disease going around, and and, uh, they had to treat people where they could, and it was such a large uh, infection of people. They had some people inside and some people outside. And they found that the people that were being treated outside, I think it was 82 degrees and sunny, that were being treated outside, recovered more quickly than those inside the facility. I just tell you, there's something about God's nature that I love. That's why we have a church camp ministry. I love it. I love to have a convertible building in here where we could open up those on sunny days. I think it'd be cool, wouldn't it? Now I do want to close it when it's cold. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but uh, but God, there's something about being out in God's creation. And we have a time, an opportunity now, that we can gather around our families again. You see, all these things have taken our priorities and messed them up. The family is not the most important thing anymore in the United States of America. May I say to you, when I visit the hospital and uh, someone's dying, the most important th- thing at that time is family. Of course, it's if you know Christ or not, but I'm talking about earthly speaking, Is family. is what matters. And we're all going in a hundred different directions, doing a hundred different things. And God says, enough is enough. Let's close her down and let's come back together as a family. So I think there's a a great time for us to reconnect as a family. Number two, I think it's a great time for us to reorganize our priorities. One of the great kings, and I I forget his name and I apologize. I was over on on the Mediterranean. There was this wonderful uh, outdoor amphitheater. And it was when I was in Israel, right on the Mediterranean. And uh, Caesarea Maritime is where it was at. And this beautiful Colosseum that was built. And they used to race chariots down along the beach. And I think it was, I don't, maybe in King Herod, one of the kings said, If I can introduce the world to the games, I'll change the world forever. He did, and it has changed forever. Guys, I'm telling you this. And I know we participate, my children participate in them, your kids participate in them, but they've become a god. Sports has become a god. There are more people concerned and upset that the NCAA tournament's not going on than 2,000 people died from the flu. In our country, we're more concerned with athletics and all of that that means nothing. It means nothing. What in the world is it about it that makes grown men go out in the middle of winter with no shirt on, shave letters in their chest hair, paint their faces, and act like idiots? And pay to do it. Colleges pay well to do it. What is it? It's become a God. And so what does God do? God begins to say, well, let's take away sports. Some of you here are really concerned because there's talk at your job that just maybe they might be shutting down for a while. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Could it be that maybe work has become our God and all these other things have become our God and God is going to help us rearrange or reorganize our priorities? Guys, listen to me. We have substituted these things in the place of God. We sang that song, Behold our God, seated on the throne. Come, let us adore Him. But we put a lot of other emphasis on all these other worldly extracurricular things more than we do upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think in the next few weeks, all these things are shut down. I think it's a great time for us to reorganize our priorities. Listen, we need God. We need God. And you know someone in your family that is very susceptible to this stuff that it could really kill. It gets in the lungs of someone that has breathing problems, heart problems, diabetics, young children, elderly, easily... They could die. I uh, preached the funeral several years ago of one of my best buddies I grew up with. A few years ago, he got the flu and he went into the ICU. And through complications of the flu, while he was in the ICU, he went into cardiac arrest and died. He was born one month after I was born, my age. We can't take life for granted. And God's given us an opportunity to reorganize our priorities. Jesus Christ ought to be our priority. Listen, listen to me, guys. Church is not your priority. Jesus is your priority. But because Jesus is your priority, and He purchased the church with His blood, He says, church ought to be our second priority. It ought to be a priority, I should say, not second. But we do it because of Jesus and we've done a lot of things, we put a lot of things in the place of our Lord and Savior. There are things in our life that gets more attention, more affection, more time than our Savior gets. And those things have become idols. Though, Yeah, you're not physically bowing down to them, but you are bowing down with your affection. You are bowing down to them with your time. You are bowing down with your... Attention. So maybe, just maybe during this time, God is giving us an opportunity to reorganize our priorities. And then I think number three, during this time, God has given us an opportunity that we could really rest our bodies and our spirits. America cannot sustain the fast pace we're on. One of the problems in America with the rising rate of heart health, heart attacks, and etc. If you could strip away everything, at the heart of that you'll find that Americans are trying to keep up. Because we're trying to keep up, we go through the drive through and eat processed things that are killing us. It's easier and it's cheaper. How many of you agree with that? It's easier and it's cheaper. Now, I'm with you. I love a good Big Mac. Some of you are already mad at me. You know, you're preaching, he's meddling now. I'm not meddling. I'm just giving you some facts. We're overstressed. We don't sleep enough. We get up. We're going our way to work. We're running late. We're behind an idiot who's driving the speed limit. Won't get out of our way. We're speaking in tongues trying to get around them. We start off on a bad mood, our, our, our stress levels up. We go through the drive-thru and eat junk. I say we, I'm, I'm right there. And we're stressing our bodies, and we can't keep this pace. We cannot keep this pace. You see, there's something about the flesh that when you get something, you want more. It's called lust and desires. And it's part of humanity. That's why this flesh has to die. The more we have, the more we want. So if I could just work a few more hours, or if I could just make one more sale, if I could just do this, I would have more and my life would be easier. No, it wouldn't. You know the scripture says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know that word soul in the Greek is suke. In the same verse, it's translated up as life. Same verse, it's used as life, and then at the end they use it as soul. What if the writer really meant, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and use, loses his own life? You, you can be great on the wall, you can be the, 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 the employee of the year. And you can have your name on there, and you may even get a park up front at work. And when you're dead, everybody can go by and say, Look, he was Employee of the Month back in January. We've traded in our land, think about this. We've traded in our land our family, our Lord, and our life for a fictitious. American dream. We've given it all. We've surrendered it to them. And it doesn't even bother us. And so, maybe, just maybe, God is giving us an opportunity that we can rest a little bit. You think I don't feel guilty as a pastor when we meet to the deacons and I say, Guys, we need to stop Iwana and we need to stop Sunday night. You think I don't have friends that when I hear that, they say, yeah, they're going liberal. You know that we had a Bible conference scheduled and thank God it would have been right around this time when it was scheduled. I didn't know it a, a, a few months ago. But I called the gentleman that was coming and I said, Dr. and I said, uh, I'd like to come up with this big, long excuse why we're not going to do this conference. But I want to be truthful with you. My church family is worn out. The same people are doing the same thing over and over. The same people are carrying the load Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They're tired. We have four or five people in the hospital. There are a handful, a dozen or so, I counted, in our church family that are sick right now. And it's not wrong to rest. Jesus said, come apart and rest for a while. If you don't rest, you're just going to come apart. We don't know how to rest. We don't. So, okay, we think we're doing great. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to rest. So what do we do? We go home, we get in our recliner, we flip it up and we turn on the news. Or we get on our phone and we start reading this. And then you get in an argument with someone that disagrees with you. You know, everybody I argue with on Facebook changes their mind and believes the way I believe. Anybody else? And you get in this argument with them on there, and and you start this debate, and you're reading all this stuff that people put on there. Your body might be resting in the recliner, but your mind's not resting. And we're paying the price. So what does God do? God comes along and He says, Look, here's an opportunity for you to hit the reset button. Because if you and I would just be honest about this, we need rest. So he shut down all the extracurricular activities. God has given us an opportunity. We have no excuse. Now we can rest. And once we begin to rest, then we can reorganize our priorities. We can say, okay, Lord, I put all these things in front of you. I've, I've, I've given my attention, my affection to more of these things than I did you. And then we can get that in order. And once we get that in order, our family's going to fall in place. Guys, listen to me. Our church is paying the price for following the American dream. It's crept into the, Ameri- it's crept into the American churches. You know there are places, this is true story, There are places that have said, please don't send us any more missionaries from the United States. They don't want an Americanized, materialistic-driven ministry. In China, there are men who are missionaries, national missionaries. And they meet in the underground church, in basements. Some of them ride bicycles for miles and miles. They have one copy of the scriptures and they take the pages and they share with each other. Many of us have multiple Bibles in our home. And it's killing us. Have you seen the amount of money that has already been raised on both sides politically in our land? This i to tell you something. All this money raised... For a job that pays like 400000 a year. That's crazy. There's something else going on. It's about power. Because you imagine the good that could be done. But listen. We're going to keep on pursuing the American dream. We're going to wait two weeks. We're going to get back in the fast lane. And we're going to keep on doing what we've always been doing. And we're going to expect a different result. And you know what that is? What we need... We need to slow down. We need to rest. We need to rest. We need to reorganize our priorities. And lastly, we desperately need to reconnect with our families. Hey, families, let's get together. Do something with your children. Hey, TV will be there all the time. On demand, you can watch anything you want, anytime you want. It's not an excuse. And may I say to you, it's my favorite episode. Well, whoop dee do it's, it's a fake. It's all fake. It's drama. It's not real. We need less drama. We need more reality and not reality TV because reality TV is staged. It's not real. It's drama. I hate to burst your bubbles. I hate that some of you are not happy about that, but it is. It's true. It's all drama. There's the same plot in everything. Oh, there's trouble in paradise. Oh, what are we going to do? It's not trouble. And they have a commercial. And you're worried about during the commercial. It's, It's gobbledygook. Stop it. Stop it. See, I see during this time that God has given us an opportunity, a great opportunity, for us to reconnect to our families, to reorganize our priorities, and to rest our bodies and our spirits. What we need are some men and women who will stand up and say, I'm going to take advantage of this time. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to make a difference. I believe what God says. I believe what His Word says. And I'm going to follow His Word. Why? Because I take you back to our text and... Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purposes. May I ask you this? Would you take this opportunity and reconnect with your family, reorganize your priorities, and rest your bodies? Don't waste this opportunity. Take advantage of it. Be excited. Go out and be salt and light. And when someone out in the community that doesn't know Christ says, how come you're so happy? How come so, you're so relaxed? How come you're, you're doing okay in this stressful time? You tell them because, listen, my priorities are right. My hope is not in the government. My hope is not in another man. My hope is not in the medical facilities. My hope is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is not my home. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. God bless you. Let's stand up for Jesus. Can we do that? I'm going to ask Brother Gene to come. We're going to have a verse of invitation. Verse of invitation. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And uh, we're, we're going to... Take this moment and call upon the Lord and maybe...